Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltazor. And uh, you know when I say rain, shine, or anything in between? It is pouring. It's raining really hard, guys. And it's not just football. Everything's bad. It all hurts. The pain is unending. All of my teams have lost. I only have the Packers left to save me, and they're on the road at San Francisco, and I'm just accepting it. Like, it's we're not winning. It's over already. <laughs> but that all aside, we're going to be recapping the Oklahoma State-K-State football game that took place in Stillwater yesterday at the time of recording, two days ago at the time of release. And... This was a 31-20 loss for the Cats. Oklahoma State only scored in the first half, and the Wildcats only scored in the second half off of literally one of the most ridiculously lucky plays that I have ever seen. I mean, to just, like, encapsulate how lucky this play was, Ace and I were watching this together, and rather than cheering when this happened, we were both, like, laughing, like, hysterically. Because it was just the dumbest play I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, it just completely inflated Jaron Lewis's stats as well. Yeah. Like, like, it wasn't like, it was a great throw either. Like, we can make the argument that, like, I don't know, like, Will Howard had his stats inflated against Nevada. But it was a great throw. Like, that was like a check down. It was literally a two-yard throw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's also where I've, I will now be referring to Jaron Lewis as Lucky Lewis. He was very lucky. And he still managed to mess up some. Yeah, so. Jaron Lewis's elite trait is luck, which may is which may kind of reveal our take on Jaron Lewis. But I know that this loss looks bad, and there are a lot of people who have very extreme takes and extremely strong opinions on this loss. The first thing I will say is they are who we thought they were, which is, I know that is the biggest cliche for coaching in the book, but everything that we saw on film, everything that they said they would do, they did. And we just couldn't, we couldn't keep up with it. And that sucks. That really does suck. But it happens sometimes. And the best way to see how a team can adjust after that is how hard they fight. And even though this game did not go our way, in any facet of the game, except punting. We punted really well. We punted really well. Uh, that's not even an ironic statement. We actually had an excellent day punting. Yes. This is not a team that gave up. This is not a team that laid down and died, except for one drive where we called A-gap power three times in a row. It was the exact same A-gap power play as well with the exact same motion. It was almost funny. It was also like the only one of the very few moments in the game where I thought that it was poorly called, which spoils my Messingham take, and I think yours as well, but this is what it is. This is, and I want everyone to just put, put, put the bad feelings aside right now and accept the fact that we lost because it, it, don't misunderstand us. This was a bad loss. This is not a loss that you can feel good about, but if you're going to take anything from it, Take the fact that the Cats never lied down and let themselves die. They were trying their hardest the entire game, even when it was increasingly easy for them to lay down and die. Yep. Um, The best way to put this game, I think, is I I think back to this is a reference I don't think many people will be familiar with. I mean, you'll know what it is, but you won't immediately get it uh it's the grizzlies versus jazz uh first round series in the nba playoffs this past season uh the grizzlies uh they struck first they won the first game and then for the rest of the uh for the next game the jazz came out and shot like 75 percent from three made like some ungodly amount of three pointers like like 25 or something like that sometimes when you're playing a sport, the other team is just hitting every single shot that they take. 
and you're guarding them well and like you have the right plays dialed up there's just nothing that you can really do that's kind of how this game was especially in the first half like we weren't playing awful coverage most of the time we were sometimes but they they just won every contested catch we just could not get a single contested catch like they just were on fire and that's just that's just how sports are sometimes. Sometimes you just run into a team at the wrong time, and you're in the wrong time as well because like you're maybe in a cold streak or something. Or you don't have your starting quarterback. Yeah, or yeah, and then, and you, then you lose your other starting quarterback. Yep. So sometimes that's just how sports be, unless you're like Bama, and we aren't Bama, so we shouldn't delude ourselves like that. Yeah. <laughs> this. I was telling Connor last night, and it'll still probably be the the title of the episode right after Oklahoma State recap, this game was Murphy's Law in action. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And that leads us into the general game day recap. Now, let's start off with the passers on today. We threw for 198 yards total with Excuse me, one touchdown and one interception. That touchdown was the fluky play that nine ninety nine times out of ten does not happen. Yeah, that probably should have been a sack. It somehow was not, and Deuce took it and just went. And it was a great play by Deuce. Like once we got the ball out of out of the pocket, but it's an absolute miracle that Jaron didn't get sacked. I mean, by all accounts, he should have. And then he just gave the little dump off and Deuce did the rest. Yeah. And then there was also one interception which was a horrid interception. One of one of the worst ones I've seen in a while. Will had some pretty bad ones last year at times, but this was an atrocious interception for it was either he thought Landry was going to keep going and he didn't. And he didn't and he just threw it right at a defender or he just missed. Or he just didn't see the defender. Either way, it's pretty awful. Like he because he, he threw it right into the defender's hands. Easiest interception that they'll ever have in their career. Yeah. And let, let's separate the passers here because there were two of them. Let's start with Will Howard because that is the person who started the game, who did not finish the game. Originally, we thought it was because of rotation. No, he was hurt. Yep. Which. That was confusing, granted, because of the planned rotation last week, and they did mention they were planning on doing it again. But apparently Will actually did get hurt, and it just happened to be about the end of the first quarter. Yep. So that it just happened to coincide. Yeah. So we, we've been very positive about Will Howard on this podcast because we've seen the potential he has. And if there is anything that demonstrates the potential that Will Howard has... It is that first drive that we had against Oklahoma State. He was throwing darts. A lot of them should have gone for touchdowns. The first one, the sun got in in Malik's eyes. That happened. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'd like to see him catch that, especially as the alleged number one receiver on the squad. You'd like to see him fight through that. But, you know, it's it's hard to catch a ball when the sun is directly in your eyes. I get that. Like. I'm not going to rag on him too hard for that. Yeah. The second one was a wheel route in the end zone, which was perfectly placed, which was literally PBU'd by his own receiver. Yeah, that was Garber. Uh, Garber had a touchdown, and then Phillip Brooks PBU'd his own receiver. Yeah, that one was crazy because Brooks, it hit his hands, and... It, it was still on target to go between two defenders and hit Garber right in the hands. And it still did, but it shifted just enough to where Garber mistracked it. And that was really frustrating to see because it was a perfect throw. Bread basket throw right to Garber. Would have been his like just second or third catch on the year. Finally would have maybe had a breakout moment. Just really tough to see. Yeah. Then we ran an RPO, which... Connor can tell you how audibly I reacted whenever an RPO... I didn't care the result of the RPO. I was excited that we ran it. And yet, it is. it was Cade Warner on a defender. The defender made a great play, but you'd still want to be able to see the receiver attack that ball a lot better. Because if memory serves, Cade Warner's hand... You can't see it. They were closer to his chest than they were out. 
if Cade Warner has the arm length to just reach out and still catch it, that's a touchdown. That's three touchdowns on the first drive yep. that were dropped. And then later on, Will Howard, granted it was a tiny bit of an underthrow, he throws a post to Malik Knowles, who is, for all intents and purposes, open as he can get with a defender still in the area, and then Malik Knowles just can't make the contested catch. How many times have we said that in the last three years? Malik Knowles just can't make the contested catch. That, that is what we, this offense has been waiting for, is Malik to make the contested catch. He's just frustratingly close to being a great receiver, and he just can never quite overcome it. It's it's really frustrating to see. And we, the majority, like, Malik's career in microcosm happened yesterday, I would say, honestly. Yeah. And so, so people will cite Will Howard's stat line as him being bad because he threw for four for 12 with 50 yards, I believe it was. Those are four balls that were just dropped. That's not on Will Howard. You want Will Howard to just get better, just have his receivers catch the balls better. That's not on Will. Will had a great game when he was in there. Yeah, he did. Uh, He had a really impressive run, uh, 37-yard run. Uh, really well drawn up play. BB Polt. I, I love the blocking scheme on this play. That's a that's actually a design stolen from the Ravens. It's called QB Counter Bash. Yeah, and well, we copied it really, really freaking well. And yeah, the, I mean, the, if we're gonna copy anyone's running game, might as well copy the Ravens QB run game. Uh, yeah, BB pulled all the way from left tackle, and he went through a hole that was made in between right guard and right tackle, and he just eviscerated the. Uh, either nickelback or outside linebacker, whoever was out there, and just blew him up, and that turned a 5-yard gain into a 37-yard gain. So really great play design, and we would have seen a lot more of that if Will hadn't gotten injured, I think. Yeah, we would have. So Will Howard had a good game when he was in there. Was he perfect? No. No quarterback is. Skyler wasn't perfect when he was in there. No. And then he got hurt, Mm. and then we turned over the reins – to Jaron Lewis. I do not want to be overly negative about Jaron Lewis. But I was not lying when I said his only elite trait is his luck. Because there is not a single throw that he made that was even remotely impressive. The majority of his yards came off of that Deuce Vaughn dump off. Yep, that was, that was over a third of his yards right there. Yeah. Like, which is fine. Fine. Like, like touchdown, not going to complain about a touchdown. Yeah, whatever. That happens. The other big throw that people will point to him making is, well, there are two. That bootleg pass that was a ridiculous catch by Malik Knowles. Oh, yeah, that one-hander. The yeah, one-handed catch by Malik Knowles because Jaron Lewis threw it behind him. And if Malik Knowles did not make that play, that is a pick by the safety. Yeah, and I the... Broadcast even brought this up because Howell was behind uh, Knowles on that play, mm-hmm. and they were bringing up they didn't know who it was intended to be to because it was behind Knowles and above Howell, so it was probably getting picked if Knowles doesn't make an unbelievable play. Which again, Knowles created a microcosm, unbelievable one-handed grab, but just cannot make the two-handed contested catch. Like just so unbelievably frustrating. Yeah, and then the other one that people are going to point to is his conversion over the middle to, I think it was Cade. Um, no, it was Brooks. Brooks. It was yeah, Brooks. it was Brooks. Uh, I, I would like to point out, I saw the angle. I saw the angle when they replayed it. Jaron Lewis's head did not move. He wasn't looking anywhere else. His eyes weren't moving. He saw one place, and it just happened to get open. And credit to him for getting the ball there, but... If he is going to be the quarterback that we ex- we want him to be in the future, that's not something that's going to be able to fly. Basically, although Lewis had some ridiculously lucky plays, he did not have a better game than Will Howard did. Stop it. Yeah, and he had that play that could have that was nearly a pick six. Uh, the pass to Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Um, Wheeler made a great play uh, and turned what would have been a interception possibly pick six into an 18 yard gain uh but 
it was not the best read on that play at all, and he threw it a little late, and it wasn't a very hard throw. Mm-hmm. He put it in the only possible spot that Weaver could have possibly made a catch, which is good and all, but it still was nearly intercepted, and Wheeler did most of the work on that play. So, I don't know. Lewis, very lucky, which is a good trait to have as a quarterback. Like, I'm not going to dispute that. Like, like being lucky as a quarterback, like, some, some quarterbacks just need it, like Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes, for the most part, has been incredibly lucky, uh, like, combined with skill. And... Jaron Lewis has been lucky, and we haven't. We're yet to see the arm talent. Yeah, I will say maybe it's there. Uh, it is only one game, and he was thrown in, so I'll try and be fair to him on, in that regard. But I will say that Howard, from what I saw, was still the superior option. I don't get blaming Howard for this loss, especially because he played a single quarter. And no, the people that are doing that, I I'm going to say it. You you lack the qualifications to utilize your free will. <laughs> you are subhuman. Your brain just is like a hamster wheel. I don't understand how you function. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm not apologizing. I mean it. I'm not asking you to. Just, I don't know, I'm just laughing. Will Howard, he, he had a good game. Honestly, he did. Like, say whatever you want about that. Mr. William Howitzer, until he got injured... He was doing well. It's just, wow, the receivers were... They, there's been some bad games from the receivers the past few years. Oklahoma State, while they still had some production, Malik had a great catch. Tyrone Howell had his first career reception. Uh, Cave Warner had his first career reception. Despite all that, they might have had their worst game in the climbing era at Oklahoma State yesterday. It was pretty atrocious, This the drops. The lack of ability to make a contested catch. It was really hard to watch at times. Yeah. And that that was the second to next point that we were going to make, is the receivers had a lot of drops. Like, a lot of drops. And we'll go into that in our game day grades, but that that's something that needs to be shored up. And also, remember when everyone was saying we couldn't run the ball as much as we did against Nevada? Yeah, no, we just couldn't run the ball. Period. Uh, that, that, that should, we couldn't run the ball, period. Like, it was really tough. Deuce did not have a good day at all. Uh, Joe Irvin only had one carry. Uh, Howard had by far the best carry on the day and still ended up with fewer yards than his longest run because of uh, a negative play and then the uh, fumble on the, uh, what was an awful snap from Noah Johnson on rewatch. Yeah, like, okay. So I, I understand people who, well, I, I don't, but that was not a good, the one, the fumble that was recovered in the end zone by Oklahoma State. Should Will Howard have been able to get that ball? Probably, or at least he should have been able to fall on it. But are we ignoring, We're I think we're ignoring one half of the equation there, and that is the snap was to his left and at his shins. If it were literally anywhere else other than literally in the dirt, I think he can probably pick it up. But it's not. And that just happens sometimes. Is it slightly is it Will Howard's fault? It's not as much his fault as it is someone else's. But it's still his fault. So go ahead. Blame him for it. But he's not the reason we lost the game. No. Yeah, even if that doesn't happen, even if he gets the ball back, we're still going to punt that away in the way the defense was playing. They're going to give up a touchdown on that drive. Like, And even if they don't, uh, that's still a 24-20 game. Like, We still lose that even if those points get erased. It looks better on the scoreboard significantly, but we still get boat race in the stat column. So Yeah. And then here, here's the most telling stat for me. We were 2 for 12 on third down. Yikes. You can't win games like that. No. That's just, it's not possible. You cannot win games going 2 for 12 on third down. And and you can't even make the excuse of, oh, well, they didn't get to third down. No, they got there 12 times. Yeah. And they just could only do anything with it two times. And that's just not sustainable. Yep. We did have one sack on the day. And that was by King Felix and Udike Uzoma. 
but yeah, that was that, a, that's about it. We had we had a lot more quarterback hurries. I think it's possible that every single one of them was in the second half. I mean, I don't have the numbers to back that up, but it felt like it. Yep. Because, like we said uh, on the preview, uh, Spencer Sanders under pressure is way, 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 way worse than Spencer Sanders with a clean pocket. And, and he was. Yeah, it, and, it, and that was true. And We just weren't getting pressure. Yeah, especially in the first half. Second yeah. half, we started getting a lot more pressure, and yeah. that changed. Uh, I think that was honestly the difference for the defense was getting pressure on Sanders. We started getting a little bit more creative with our blitzes, and we were hitting Spencer Sanders. We were just getting there, getting in his face, uh, just doing anything to him, and he had a significantly worse half than he did in the first half i would say yeah especially just i mean they didn't get any points in the second half yeah that 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 was probably the the thing that we got the most wrong was their offensive line being bad but even then they kind of showed that in the second half they still were but yeah that speaking of spencer sanders we gave up 344 yards and two touchdowns to him yikes that and, and granted a lot of those were just contested catches where yeah. sometimes it'd be like that and you can't do anything about it yeah a lot of contested catches uh screens um that went for like 50 yards so spencer Sanders, granted he's not doing a lot of work there like jaron lewis on that check down to deuce like similar vein there but they still go in the stack column and it still looks pretty bad for the defense that we weren't able to cover up those screens yeah and we also gave up 123 yards to jalen warren to let you know how bad this looks, we thought it was more. <laughs> I The way the game was going, I thought that he had close to 200, and he wasn't really particularly close. No, he, he would just gash us really bad in the exact wrong time. Yep, he just was having his way with us for a majority of the game. The second half, it got a lot better, I will say. Uh, and Although he did spend quite a bit of the second half injured he did come back uh, he missed most of the third quarter and or i say he missed about half the third quarter and half the fourth quarter yeah i would say and during that part of the game their running game was just completely non-existent like their backup that came in dominic richardson had five carries for six yards so we bottled that up well doing the warm very legit very good running back all big 12 talent so yeah that's jalen warren had a ridiculous game hats off to him and then finally our, their D-line decimated our offensive line. There was there was only one person who looked consistently good, and that was Cooper Beebe, because Cooper Beebe will always look good. Yeah. But there, there's not much else to say there. Yes, I, the interior especially was just atrocious. Uh, oh, my God. Noah Johnson was just getting manhandled this game. It was pretty tough to watch. Like... There was just not much that he was able to do. Um, the rest of the line just wasn't particularly great. BB had a solid day. Adler like he, had a really bad day. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see much of Revis, which probably means he was okay. Like, not great, not awful. But as a whole, they, they did not have a good day as a unit. Uh, Noah Johnson, uh, we, we thought that, I, that that was probably a matchup to watch going in, just with their very impressive interior defensive line. Uh, in terms of just size and strength, and Noah Johnson being an undersized center that historically has struggled against really big uh, defensive tackles. Uh, I guess it shouldn't be shocking that A-gap power was just not really working this game. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a major struggle. Yeah. So now we get into game day grades, where we go through every single position group plus the coordinators, Give them a grade of A+, plus, yeah, right, to uh, F, A+, plus meaning they won us the game, and F, meaning they lost us the game, or in some cases in which we won, they've came very close to losing us the game. Starting off with the position that everyone looks at, which is quarterback, if it were just Will Howard, and Will Howard continued the play that he had, this would be an easy B. Yeah. I agree with that. If it were just Jaron Lewis, it would be an easy F. Jaron Lewis's play was so bad, and I want him to do better. I'm not going to attack him because I want him. I obviously want everyone on our team to be good. Obviously, 
he did not have a good game. He had an atrocious game. The quarterbacks as a whole, because Jaron Lewis played most of the game, is a D-minus for me. And really the only thing that saves it is Will Howard's performance in the first quarter. I went ahead with a D-plus, basically exact same thing that Ace just said. Uh, Will Howard, he, despite having an unimpressive stat line, most of his incompletions uh, were drops, at the very least a majority of them, because I can think of at least four. I named four. There might be five. Yeah, there were at least four, and that would take him from 4 of 12 to 8 of 12. And I can only, off the top of my head, think of like two passes that were legitimate misses. One of them was when he was getting blitzed. Uh, on third and goal, and he just threw it at Phillip Brooks's feet to avoid the sack. And the other one was like an overthrow to the sideline on an out route to somebody. I don't remember who. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Will Howard um, performed well. He had a good run. Jaron Lewis, on the other hand, he uh, he really struggled. Um, he got sacked a couple times. Uh, he had the one really lucky play. Um, I guess I'll give him a D- minus myself just because... Despite it being really lucky, he still does account for the lone offensive touchdown. So I guess that counts for something, but QBs as a whole get a D-plus for me. Yeah. Now, running backs, I hope they never get a grade lower than this. I really, at least in mine, just due to the fact that we literally could not run the ball, it came down to which running back could be a receiver. There was only one that could do it, and he only got the chance to do it. I think twice, and one was a TFL. And that was Deuce Vaughn. The running backs for me get a D-. And because I, I focus on majority. I don't focus on outlier plays. So if we take that one play away, what meaningful contribution did any of the running backs bring to this game? Uh, not a lot. They didn't lose us the game, because it's very hard for running backs to do that. But... They certainly were not helping us. And that could be credited to another group later on, too. But they get a D-minus from me. Yeah, I gave them a C-minus just because I give Deuce credit for that touchdown. And he had five catches for 73 yards, by far his best receiving day on the season. Although his running day was pretty awful, by far his worst, considering he... I broke 120 every game up until this point, and to yesterday he barely broke 20. So <laughs> it was pretty awful. Joe Irvin only had one carry. It was for five yards. So not terrible. Uh, but yeah, running backs were really unimpressive. Granted, a lot of that can go to the offensive line just not blocking effectively at all. Uh, so, but yeah, really tough day for the backs and Deuce. So. Yeah. And now we get to the wide receiver room. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Wide receivers get an F. They could not create separation when they needed to. And even if they were able to create a tiny bit of separation, if there was a defender within five yards of them, it was an extremely likely chance that they were going to drop the ball or get it broken up. The breakup is not necessarily their fault in a lot of cases, but there were some atrocious drops for some of which would have been touchdowns. And the moment that I could tell this was going to be a really bad receiving day was the moment Phillip Brooks PBU'd a touchdown. Not for the other team, for us. And some people will point to that third down conversion to Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles' ridiculous one-handed grab as reasons to why they should they should get higher grades. No. Those are plays that, while they look good, in the grand scheme of things, were too little too late. And the wide receivers, if they were able to contribute from the very beginning of the game, this would have been a completely different game. We wouldn't have gotten boat raced in the first half. We would have scored a lot quicker on that first drive. We would have had really good yardage position on the second drive due to that post of Malik Knowles. But... They can't get anything but an F from me. Yeah, I gave him an F as well. Uh, they did have some nice plays, I guess. Uh, Malik had the incredible catch. Uh, a few guys got their first career catches tonight. 
or last night, whatever night, uh, Kurt, Cade Warner, come on, Kurt. Kurt Warner, <laughs> finally, K-State yeah, Wildcat receiver, yeah, Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner, he's he got a little college eligibility left. <laughs> I think we need him in a different position, though. But Cade Warner, uh, he had his first career catch. Uh, Tyrone Howell had his first career catch, uh, which is nice and all. Brooks had some nice clutch catches. On, uh, I think he might have had both of our third down conversions. I'm um, thinking about it. Because he, uh, he had that whip route from Will Howard uh, in the first quarter, and then he had the... He had both of our third down conversions. Uh, Philip Brooks, he's been a pretty reliable third down conversion guy this season. Doesn't doesn't get him not enough. Nope. But <laughs> just shout out Philip Brooks for being a reliable third down guy. Also an excellent defensive back for our own team. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's done it twice. That is true. Um, but, yeah, just, I give him enough. Like, because even though they did do a few good things, uh, they, in my mind, are the biggest reason that we lost. Uh, because on that first drive, if that's seven instead of three, I feel like that completely changes the tone of the game. Like, like we surrender there and get, and get three rather than punch it into the end zone. And we had several opportunities to do so. And I would wager that basically every opportunity that we had to get to the end zone and didn't, I would put that on the backs of the wide receivers. Because Howard was dropping some dimes out there. And he's really come a long way, and now we just need the receivers to just help him just a little bit. And they were nowhere to be seen for the most part. So really tough showing from the receivers. Maybe the worst that they've done in the climbing era other than maybe Iowa State last year. I don't count that Iowa State game last year because no one played well. That is fair. That that was just Extenuating a, circumstances. That was a, a dark stain, that game. So Yeah. F on the wide receivers. Now we get to talk about the tight ends and the fullbacks. This is another group that didn't contribute much, but in a lot of ways also didn't cost us anything. So I guess I can give them like a D plus, but they didn't help us. Not really. Yeah, I gave him a D. Uh, Wheeler. He had a very nice bailout of Jaron Lewis. Uh, he basically reached through a, a coverage linebacker's hands to change a pick six into an 18-yard gain. Which is which is on the linebacker, which, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to keep bringing it up. Anyway, if Bebe were in this game, they're... Oh, yeah. If Stubby the were there. Uh... It, like, it comes down to injuries. If Stubby and Bebe were here, this is a completely different game. Because our weakest coverage unit was middle field coverage. Oh. And who helps the most with middle Stubby. field coverage? But anyways... Also, yeah. the targeting rule sucks. That's a whole different conversation. It does. It's awful. But, yeah. Uh, fullbacks, tight ends. Didn't really do anything awful. Didn't really do anything exceptional, so they get a D. Uh, nice catch, Wheeler. I'm glad that you're out here making some receptions again. Good for you. Yep. Now we get to talk about the offensive line, D. And they're very lucky it's not an F. Cooper Beebe single-handedly carried this unit from an F. Unironically, yes. I have very similar reasoning. I have been sitting here looking at this grade for the entire time when I haven't been talking. Just very tempted to change offensive line from D to F. I gave him a D. Just because Cooper Beebe had another nice day, but wow, did the interior offensive line just get eviscerated by the interior defensive line of Oklahoma State. This is a game where the preseason loss of Taylor uh, Poitier really was apparently uh, just a major impact on the offense. I think that he, if Taylor, Taylor Poitier being there, he was a run-blocking force down the stretch last year. Uh, that doesn't completely solve our problems yesterday, but it probably makes the running back or the running game look a bit more respectable, at least. I that may not even be true. Maybe I'm just like like trying to find solutions where there aren't any, but D for the offensive line. Yeah, and I think my grades come out to an average of D minus. Um I had D plus C F D D. So I th- I think that probably averages out to about a D, according to my calculations. Actually slightly above a D, I think. Yeah. Like a D half plus? That's still a D. That's still a D. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll round down. They don't deserve a round up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt for this game. But now we move to the defense. And uh, 
Mob privileges have been revoked. The mob is not back until we either make Spencer Rattler cry or go four consecutive games giving up less than 21. Mob is not back. Put it away. If they try, we're rejecting it. Your, your privileges have been revoked. But sad day. It's a sad day. But we can go firstly into the defensive line. And this was a group that did not do well in the first half, but they weren't horrid in the first half. Second half. And then they put it together in the second half. Yep. They were a lot better in the second half. So for that, they get a B. But that is a very, very large drop-off from where they've been in the past. Like, if we look at the defensive line from the Stanford and SIU games, where I believe I gave them both an A or an A+. I think I gave them an A+, in both of those games. I think I gave them an A- or B+, against Nevada. Like, they were scoring very, very highly for me. Like, for several weeks. Were you, were you done with your defensive line? Yeah. Okay. I gave them a C. Um, just... They were generally unimpressive yesterday, I thought, especially in the first half. Second half, they turned it up a little bit. I believe the lone sack came in the second half as well from Felix Anudike Uzoma. But they definitely did a lot better in the second half with some assist from more creative blitzing from Joe Klanderman. And they ended up with these. (coughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I just almost died. Don't mind me. Okay. But yeah, they get a C grade from me, so. All right, you, you can take a minute. I'll take the I'll take the line. Oh no, here. I'm I'm good now. Just <laughs> I I I am fine. Do not worry about me. Okay. Or just my body trying to kill me, so I don't ever have to watch K State play Oklahoma State at Stillwater again. Because it's gonna happen two years. From oh, don't remind me. But we move into the linebackers, which. The theme of the day for the defense is regression. And there is not a group that regressed worse than the linebackers. And that is including Daniel Green. The middle field coverage was back to where it was last year. And where did we get burnt by Oklahoma State last year? Middle field coverage. Where did we get burnt by them this year? Running game and middle field coverage. Both of which, a lot of them have to do with the play of the linebackers. Now, you'll look at the stats and see Cody Fletcher and Nick Allen both got a decent number of tackles, some of which were even tackles for loss. However, this does not account for the innumerable amount of times that they were just abused on the football field. And for that, they get a D. Yeah, I gave him a D as well, similar reasoning. Daniel Green was finally turning it around. I think in the second half, he was really starting to play with like a higher motor and was starting to get things he wasn't turned around. there for the second half. He got ejected in the second quarter. Oh, you're right. Uh, he was still starting to turn it around. He was trying to get things turned up. He was playing with a higher motor and that, at that point anyways, and then he got ejected. And One of the worst targeting calls I've seen. That was among the... I'm, I, I, I'm all for protecting the health of like the head health of players because like I don't know having high concussions myself like it's it's a big deal you only get one brain but wow that was an atrocious targeting call it was probably the worst that I've personally seen I'm sure there's been worse that I just haven't seen but it was pretty awful I didn't see an angle where there was helmet to helmet contact at least at first because it looked like it was shoulder to shoulder and even then, if there was helmet to helmet, that was Spencer Sanders spinning into it. He spun into the tackle. Yeah, like it's it's just an unfair expectation of defensive players to get out of the way. I think, and at minimum, there needs to be uh, another penalty for um, offensive players lowering their head into contact and just have it be an offsetting penalty and just replay the down and. I got to make it like a tiered targeting thing where there's like malicious intent and like non-malicious intent, like accidental contact. Like the accidental one is like on like five yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like just, just like a slap on the wrist, like please stop doing that. And it builds up over time, but I don't know. This is probably not the time nor place to try and solve targeting no. in college football. No. The point is, is that linebackers uh, underperformed for a majority of the game. Uh, Nick Allen, didn't do as awful in 
uh, relief as I thought he would do, especially in the second half. He did a little bit better. Like, the majority of the defensive unit, that rings true, is they had a better second half by a lot, but the first half was just so horrible. But... D for the linebackers. And also, Hennington should have been flagged on that play. That was not that was yeah. a dirty hit. That, that, was a, that was a pretty bad play, uh, at least from what we could see on ESPN+, Plus, which, granted, is not a lot because it's ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. It's pretty awful. But from what we could tell, uh, he had no reason to... Gator uh, roll an ankle. Yeah, that was, that, that was pretty dirty. I, I didn't like that from Hennington. But he, I don't know, seemed to make up for it over the rest of the game. Uh, played pretty clean the rest of the way, so I won't, I'll try not to hold it against him in the future, but don't do that again. Yeah. Now we get to the defensive backs room, which I'm not sure how much of this comes down to us just being really unlucky with contested catches. We but, Yeah, we talked about this, because Oklahoma State got every contested catch, like like the Sometimes the other team's just going to make every three-point shot there takes. Like, every time they take a shot, they're just going to make it. And then vice versa for the other squad. That's kind of how it was, like, with defensive backs and wide receiver interactions between Oklahoma State and K-State. Like, not to hijack your point. Yeah, no. Like, that's fine. But at the same time, I would want to see them win a bit more and be able to at least attempt to bump receivers off their routes when they're breaking inside so it just slows them down a little bit and maybe break on the ball a lot faster whenever it does go inside for the safeties but all of that to me it just they were a fine like mediocre group which is honestly I think that's more damning of them than saying that they were bad given how good they've been but they get a C I was harsher on them I gave them a D plus um, I don't know if that's me being too hard on them, maybe, but what really stood out to me among the defensive backs was just the tackling was atrocious in the secondary, especially in the first half. Tackling in the first half in the secondary was it was it was, a, it was aggression to what it was last year, which is really strange because tackling the secondary has been actually very excellent throughout the first three games this year complete night and day shift from last year and they kind of regressed it seemed like yesterday which that's the word of the day i think is regression but now the defensive backs especially russ east he was uh um i think the victim uh more more often than not of just very obviously regressing in the tackling department it was pretty bad i thought but he, he just seemed like it wasn't just that he was missing tackles, it was that he was getting his hands on guys and they were just breaking out, which has not happened through the first few games. Duran was solid for a majority of the game, honestly. He was maybe the only defensive player to not be terrible for the entire game. Yeah. I think. And that Echo. Echo was so good. Echo, yeah, he he didn't get his name called very much, which is absolutely crazy. Echo is... Echo's not good in zone coverage. He... Shut up. He is. Shut up. <laughs> he, that's just not his own. Yeah, it was just they're they're really picking on the other side uh, with Brents and Denson and Brents and Denson still didn't have awful coverage most of the time. They did get beat occasionally, but for the most part, Brents Echo or Brents Denson Gardner they were playing tight coverage. Oklahoma State their receivers were just every contested catch where it was a really tight window for them. They just made every single reception. And it just be like that sometimes. Like I have, yeah. I have nothing constructive to say there. It's just that's just what happens occasionally. Yeah. So now we get into the coordinators. This one should be fun. This one <laughs> should be fun. We're going against our agenda here. Yeah, yeah, the agenda we have against Messingham. But also a quick ref- referendum to last week. I didn't know that it was Will Howard checking into a lot of plays. So, Messingham, you go from a C last week to a B-. minus. You did call plays, and they were a lot more creative than what we saw because they were checked into. And as much as I enjoy the meme that I've been going with, that Will Howard is a better offensive coordinator than Courtney Messingham because he was making those checks, that is a joke. That is a meme. This week, however, Messingham did not call a bad game. And you wouldn't know that 
by looking at what happened and looking at the stats, but the play calls that Messingham were making, except for that one drive yeah. where he called A-cap power three times in a row, he was aggressive, he was surprisingly creative with his passing concepts, and they were working for the most part, just... or would have worked if we had a quarterback who was actively reading the defense. Yeah. Messingham <laughs> gets a B minus, and I don't get it. I don't get how he can have his best game play calling of the year, and that's the offensive performance we give him. Yeah. Uh, this was the strangest part of the day, and we couldn't. We were dumbfounded the whole game <laughs> because Messingham. We're just sitting there, and we're like, this is oddly enough is just not his fault. Like. I'm not a Messingham hater by any stretch of the imagination, but normally when the offense isn't performing well, Messingham uh, is one of the chief people to blame. Messingham called a very good game. It's the first drive, not very. The the first drive good. was excellent. The, the first drive was excellent. Like what he the plays he was dialing up, perfect. What he was doing, like we exposed their weaknesses everywhere. We were targeting. Uh, their cornerbacks in uh, unique and different ways. We uh, ran quarterback run to the outside to avoid that interior line, and we pulled Cooper Beebe, our best blocker, to help out on that as well. Mess called a good game, and it didn't matter. <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did the tree fall? <laughs> did it make a sound? Yeah, if, if, if Mess called a decent game but we still lost was was the game decent <laughs> i don't know i gave him a b plus just because like i'm throwing him a bone like a b minus is probably a bit more accurate but mess i i just feel bad for the guy after this game like he finally calls a good game and he I can't imagine how frustrating this was for Coach Messingham. Yeah. Like, like the, the three drops on the first possession, another one on the next possession. I would, I would have quit my job after this game like, if I were Messingham. And, and I give him a B plus because I don't think he did as I don't think he did a great job adjusting to the game plan when Jaron Lewis was in the game. Right. But I'm not sure there exists a game plan where you can be behind and give Jaron Lewis passing opportunities. Yeah, that that's the thing is I think Jaron would be a fine game manager maybe question mark, but I mean I guess he was okay managing the game against Nevada. Like he didn't make any Awful mistakes. He I mean, was two for three for six yards, and both completions were screens. He didn't make any mistakes, though. They didn't let him get any opportunities to make. Well, okay, that Brooks check down was a mistake. Yeah. Like, he just overthrew it so it wouldn't get intercepted. <laughs> but, yeah, Coach Messingham, he, he came in with a great game plan for Will Howard, and we were just not executing. Will was making good throws. The offensive line just wasn't blocking well, so there weren't running lanes for Deuce. The receivers just left their gloves in Manhattan, I guess. Like, it was tough to watch. But, mess. Yeah, this is officially... We we are killing the narrative of the Aggieville Alley Cats anti-Messingham narrative right here, right now. Because he is the only guy that got higher than a C today. Which is hilarious. And, like, people are blaming Mess online for this game. He is the last person I would blame, other than maybe Will, for this game. But wow, <laughs> I am I'm just dumbfounded. At messing, bravo, Courtney Messingham for calling a not awful game. This is not your fault. I am so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry this <laughs> happened to you. <laughs> and we're laughing because what's the alternative? <laughs> uh, we we talked about it. We just got to a point in the game yesterday. We were we were past the pain zone for a while, and we just entered the. We just have to laugh. But they kept the the cats for the, almost the whole second half were just on the edge of the pain zone, just to just twist the knife in us a little bit more. Just constantly, just give us hope. We didn't need that hope. We didn't need that. But anyway, now we get to the other coordinator, who's the defensive coordinator, Joe Kleinerman. And 
the first half, man. Yikes. If it were just the first half, I don't even think it was just us not executing. There were a lot of bad calls in that first half, which granted, sometimes you're going to guess wrong as a defensive coordinator. That happens. Because defensive coordinating is literally just educated guessing. Because with an offensive play, if you know generally what they're going to do or know their tendencies, you can draw up plays that will abuse every tendency they have in one play. Yep. If you're on defense, even if you know their tendencies, most offenses have counter punches, and they are counter punches that hurt. So I'm not going to go in on Messingham, not Messingham, on Kleinerman. I'm too used to giving Messingham crap. I, I'm i not going to go in on Klanderman for guessing wrong on a few plays. I will, however, blame him for guessing wrong on most plays. In the first half, I it felt like Oklahoma State's success rate on plays was probably 80 or 90%. Mm-hmm. And the only times they weren't succeeding were like overthrows from Sanders or drops, which few and far between. So. Yeah. And... He did put it together in the second half, pitched a shutout, but it, it was another situation of too little, too late. He gets a C-plus, and I feel like that's being generous. Yeah, I gave Klanderman a D-plus mainly because I'm so disappointed in him. He made me so happy the first three weeks of the game, and that's what I get as a K-State fan for feeling happiness and joy. Like, like we were talking about before the episode, with every happy thing that K-State does, there's an unequal and weighted opposite reaction yeah. in which they say, we see your, your happy thing, we're going to triple down on the badness now. Yeah. And that's how this It went. started by getting rid of Will. Yeah. yeah the, in, the injury to Will, I mean, we didn't know it was an injury at the time. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't even really know it was an injury until after the game because we still thought that was rotation. But, wow, Klanderman just, he broke my heart this game. My my little just destroyed, abused heart by K-State Athletics. And I'm very disappointed, Joe. Why why would you do this? Yeah. (laughs) The the kids were watching, Joe. The children were watching. Scott was in Stillwater. Not in front of the kids, Joe. Not in front of Bosco's boys. Not in front of Bosco's boys. Oh, also... Uh, he did a call a decent second half, though. I, I will give him that. <laughs> like, like dramatics aside, the second half wasn't awful. It's just the first half was so bad, I can't give him better than the D+. Plus. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I guess we're going to figure out this next week if, uh, if our alleged, I guess, blessing is true. Because K-State is undefeated in games in which the Eggieville Alley Cats are in attendance. Yeah. So, yeah... K-State's 3-1. We Alley Cats are not in Stillwater, so of course we lost. However, we're, we're coming up on this OU game here. I'll be back there with my, my purple Nikes and maybe Play my... Sandstorm Coward shirt? Possibly. I might be wearing Play Sandstorm, depending on the weather. Hopefully my hoodie gets here. Jeez. No, the hoodie's never coming, bro. Yeah, the hoodie may not actually exist. Any, anyway. <laughs> if you ordered an Aggieville Alley Cats hoodie, I'm sorry, you may never get it. <laughs> I ordered mine three weeks ago, and they haven't even printed it yet. Yeah, I... God. So, now we get into MVPs. I don't want to give anyone MVP except for one person. It's Ty Zentner. I I don't want to give MVP to a punter, but he was so good punting. (laughs) Ty Zentner... I'm going to pull up Ty Zentner's stats. This is not an ironic take, by the way. This isn't us just, like, coping. This is... Ty Zentner unironically had an excellent punting performance. He he had seven punts, yikes, for 349 yards, which is an average of 49.9 yards per punt, a long of 58. Five of his punts went for 50-plus yards, and three of them were inside the 20. And I think all of those were inside the 10. Yep. So, unbelievable game for Ty Zentner. That, I can't say much else than that. Also, Malik Knowles did have that kick return touchdown, which gave me hope at the beginning of the game. How, hey. how naive of me. And then... And then he, on the next kick return, ha- he hesitated, decided that it was a good idea to take it out, and then it wasn't a good idea. In fact, it was actually a very bad idea. Yeah. And that's when the wheels started to fall off. So... Yeah. 
Yikes. So Ty Zentner is our MVP. Yeah. I'll give a shout out to Jerron McPherson as well because he generally had a pretty solid day. Other than that one play where they had like a 20-yard completion down the seam and Jerron was in outside coverage for some reason? Yeah, I don't I don't know why they had J-Mac playing the flat there. That, that was really strange. I'm just, that's like the least of my worries from that game, honestly. But J-Mac all around, he didn't have the worst day, at least from what I recall. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Also, Nick Allen had 10 tackles and have a tackle for loss, so he stuffed the stat sheet, even if his performance wasn't necessarily great. But, oh, also Felix Anudike Uzoma had seven tackles to go with the sack. So, that was kind of quiet. But, yeah, Ty Zentner, congratulations. You are the Aggieville Alley Cats MVP. And it, if I, all right, take, we talked about this already. If Will Howard had not gotten injured, I, and if receivers had hands, I think Will Howard would have been the MVP of this game. I was cheated out of it. Yeah, you were cheated out of it. And we've already gone over the player standouts, so we'll just go into the takeaways from this game. And the number one takeaway I have is we're fighters, but we have a lot of work to do in a lot of different areas. And in a way, I think that this game was a bitter pill to swallow, but it shows the team that we are humid and we still have a lot of work we need to do. Being ranked is a curse, I swear. It is. Perhaps uh, Pete Martini, the the AP voter from Oregon, that was the dud of the week last he week. He got his score correct. He, he did. It's 31-20. I got my score correct as well. Just, just reversed. Just reversed. I, I had 31-20 cats. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of work to do, and we need to obviously get, get to work immediately. Mm-hmm. Next one, receivers need to step up. This has been Big a time. this has been a takeaway for like three years at this point. <laughs> they but now more than ever, like receivers Please, Dalton Schoen is not walking in the door, and that's really depressing to say. <laughs> Dalton Schoen's not walking in the door. Byron Pringle is getting paid money to play football. He's, he's not reusing his last year of eligibility here. So Tyler Lockett is a little busy. He's not walking through the door. It is the guys in that room right now, and they've got to get something figured out. Hopefully they are hiding something in their bag of tricks, like a Jalen Travis or an RJ Garcia. Or Tyrone Howell suddenly just learns to run around. I don't. I think he's been open a few times. He's just not getting the ball, and, yeah. which is baffling because he is. I've seen it with my eyes. He's the only receiver that can make a contested catch. Yeah, it's pretty sad, but it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, group receivers. Yeah, and then. The last thing I have for the offense is if the receivers need to step up, the interior offensive line needs to wake up because yeah. they are awful. It has been really tough, especially uh, at center and right guard for Noah Johnson and Ben Adler. Uh, that has been really difficult to watch, uh, especially the last few games. Noah Johnson has been struggling decently for most of the year. He's made a few good plays in most of the games that he's had, though. All of which were him pulling. Yeah, almost all of which were like him pulling. The Stanford game, he had some unbelievable play where like he just blew somebody up right before they sacked Skyler, and Skyler had that long throw of Phillip Brooks. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. But for the most part, Noah Johnson has really struggled this year. Uh, and relief for Noah Johnson, Hadley Panzer looked really good. So, or I think that was relief maybe for Revis. I think it was Revis. Yeah, but Panzer, uh, I think he did play a little bit, and uh, he was solid. So maybe if this sort of play continues, I hate to bench a team captain, but it might be what's best yeah, for we, the offensive line. We may have to bring in the tank. It, 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 it's time to bring together the Panzer Howitzer package. <laughs> it's inevitable. I'm floored by the, by the connection that your brain just made. I'm broken. There's not much else I can do at this point. No, that's an amazing connection. <laughs> that's going to be the next few years, bro. The Panzer Howitzer package. They're just going to QB power left. 
Panzer pulls howitzer comes from runs behind him. We have that to look forward to. Ace is shocked right now. I'm glad that you like that. I just thought of it right now. I'm not clever enough to like actively think about it. It just words just come out of my mouth sometimes. That's beautiful. I'm glad you like it. But on defense, I have one takeaway, and that's we need to tackle better. Yeah, that was honestly most of the problems. Was our tackling was a regression to what it was in 2020, which was non-existent and bad and stupid. And I think we need to be good and not stupid at tackling, personally. That's my personal opinion. I don't know what you guys think, but that's how I feel about it. Same. So that that pretty well wraps up our thoughts on the game. There goes my phone. I'm sure I'm glad I don't need the outline anymore. But... That pretty much wraps up this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats, where Murphy's Law reigns true for the Cats. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in Cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00 on Twitter. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C and capital B. And if you want to support us in a financial way, you can go ahead and check out our merch store on Spring, where we have such designs as Original Alley Cat, which will only be available until October 1st, or if you're super special, you might get one later on after that date, as well as designs such as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Neon Alley Cats, as well as many, many more. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, and there has been a lot of rain, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.